Hello? Are we on the air? Welcome to the Beyond the Mind podcast, where we ask not what's in your head, but what your head is in. Prepare to be inspired. Inspired to change your environment, change your mindset, and ultimately change your life. Willpower doesn't work, people. If you truly want to move away from stress and anxiety, you have to start with your environment. With your environment. So let's go. Let's apply some positive change into your world. Happiness is loading. Is loading. Welcome to the Beyond the Mind podcast. Hello podcast world, Ian Highfield here. I'm your host and today it is my goal to create some positive change in your world. If you are an entrepreneur, a potential entrepreneur, a small business owner or even someone that wants to start creating their own little side hustle, this is going to be the podcast for you. Now, I'm not going to be the one to inspire this positive change. I have a guest on today. Um, My guest is a good, good friend of mine. She started her own business in 2008 when she was made redundant from her job during the recession, and she started it from scratch. Zero investment, zero backing. She did this all on her own while working a weekend job to be able to pay her bills. I have personally watched the evolution and growth of our guest's business over the last few years and speaking with her, understanding what she went through, it's just such an inspirational and informative story for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, especially if you're a female entrepreneur. So grab a coffee, grab your notepad, grab your pen and prepare yourself to take some notes on actionable advice that can inspire you to start your own business or help you grow your current business. Let's go check out the conversation I had with Cass Andrews, female entrepreneur, director, founder, and basically the chief shark of Cabe Design. I hope you enjoy. Hey Cass, how are you? I'm good, Ian. How are you? I'm I'm very good. I'm very good. How's uh how's life treating you over in uh, Bonnie Scotland? <laughs> yeah, fine. It's sunny just now, so everyone's happy. <laughs> awesome. And um, before we talk a little bit about the the power of being a, an entrepreneur or even a female entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, and and some actionable advice for people that have a, a dream that they want to chase that maybe they're not quite doing it. Can you tell the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself uh, and, and your journey, if possible, please? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I, I kind of started the business back in 2008, going into 2009. And um, as you know, that was recession time, but I felt it was the best time to do it because I didn't have any previous experience, anything to hold by, no staff, no overheads nothing like that it was just me and my business partner at the time um and we had passion and that was really all that I was aware of I wasn't good at running a business I didn't know how to do it um I just enjoyed the idea of doing something that I I really loved and the 
company that I worked for at the time, that fit wasn't really um, going well for me. I, I felt I was working very, very long hours for uh, low or no appreciation. And that's obviously what you do when you're, you're starting out and you're trying to work the ladder and climb um, a different company. But it, it, I just, I, I knew I wasn't happy there. I was upset quite a lot and I couldn't really control my emotions. So, but I knew that I still wanted to be in a creative career and I still wanted to do um, design. So I spoke to a very, very talented lady and, and offered her an opportunity to come into business um, with me. And she was uh, more in the graphic side and I was more in the interior side. And we thought we could put that together and start something really strong um, to pitch to other companies. But obviously it was, it was quite a difficult time and we had absolutely no cash. <laughs> between us so we um we did different jobs and just bounced about but like I say it was always something that I wanted to do because my my um, mum and dad had a business when we were growing up so I think to be honest I didn't know anything other than that I assumed you just always worked for someone to learn something and then once you'd learned it you did it yourself I love yeah. that that's a great philosophy <laughs> thanks that was that was normal for me I didn't I, I until I really found out I didn't realize that everybody in business wasn't in their own business probably until I was like the end of primary school going into secondary school I thought that was just the way that things started um so yeah that was that was always I think the route that I was going to go down I just didn't really know what I had to do to get there I just thought having um a talent for something would would be enough <laughs> and, uh, I and is it is it is that enough <laughs> um it's probably the thing that keeps me going it's the thing that gets me up in the morning and it's the thing that has me working late at night and it's the thing that when I win a job uh, and the client likes it it's the real buzz because I truly love what I do I love creating something that has come out of my head or um a, a concept that doesn't exist at the moment I just get such a thrill from that um all the other stuff not so much staffing <laughs> <laughs> HMRC the um rent rates trying to figure out what grant schemes programs all of that kind of stuff all paperwork I'm I'm really not that's not my forte do you think it's valid that to absolutely do something that you truly love? So obviously for you, it's, it's the design, um, the freedom, the creativity. Um, you have a lot of passion for that. Do you believe to do something that you love, that you have to also do some things that you don't love to support that, that goal and dream? Yeah. I would love to be the positive person that says, no, just go for it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's at the start, there's probably more of it. It's not until I'm at this point where it, the business can support to pull people in that I know are good in those other areas that can then give me the backing to allow me to do more of the stuff that I want to do. Well, I, I remember as well when you were um, starting your business, because uh, obviously we, <laughs> We friends from what almost seems like a previous life now. Uh, <laughs> we we um, 
we, we would meet up and I would discuss, hey, you know, how's things going, blah, blah. And you would work Monday to Friday, building your own business after basically losing your job or having to leave your job during the recession. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you lose your job during the recession, you start building your own business. And then on a weekend, you worked nights stacking shelves to, to pay the bills, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I did that for four years. Four, I didn't know it was that long. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I was determined. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was basically made redundant without redundancy. So essentially the company that I worked for closed and they couldn't afford redundancy. So within the space of four days, I went from having a secure designer's income to then, I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage or get any food. And I quickly made lots of phone calls and a friend who worked at a local um, Tesco's said we have we have some jobs going and I was like well I can't do it during the day because it's going to clash with what I'm trying to build at the moment and I've been nearly eight months hard at it pulling up contacts networking traveling I really don't want it to affect that um, but if you've got night shift I'll take night shift so I would do like the Friday Saturday Sunday and sometimes I pick up the Monday night night shift um, but essentially on either side, on a Friday, I'd still work the full day um, on the business and then I'd get my head down for maybe an hour or two and then I'd go to night shift and your whole body then flips around. Like, it's almost like you feel drunk when you wake up. (laughs) I'd come home at like seven o'clock in the morning, go to bed, but it's like your body's screaming at you saying, the sun is out, (laughs) wake up. And I'd wake up around about half past 11. So I'd only really been asleep for three, four hours. Um, And you have this urge to to get up and go do things. But I knew if I did, I would be hanging that night because I'd then have have like a 10-hour night shift to go through. And then Mondays were the worst because Mondays, for some reason, I I did networking, (laughs) which was not the good idea. So I would leave the night shift on a Monday morning at half past six. That finished slightly earlier, and I would get changed in the car. Sometimes, if I, if the traffic was bad, I get changed in the car, and I'd head out to um, a hotel where they put on a big networking event with with other businesses, and uh, I'd go in there looking like I was faking it till I make it type thing, yep. all dressed up, makeup on. Um, telling people that I have a, a brilliant service to provide them for their business and that they should definitely um, think about using us. But really, I just spent the last 10 hours dealing with self-scans and stacking shelves and uh, running about cleaning tills. <laughs> so I I was- you know, I, I can remember, I can clearly remember when you told me that you don't have to work at Tesco's anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> And I felt like, I felt relief. <laughs> I felt like having a party myself. So I can't even imagine how, how you felt. I was, it was an incredible weight had been lifted. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually, there was part of me that kind of liked it. I know that sounds like a bit of self-harm there. Yeah. But there was part of me that enjoyed it. Because when I was there, I couldn't beat myself up about not doing work for the business. I couldn't do anything. I just had to let it go. And um, 
it wasn't like I was lying in bed trying to force myself to go to sleep while my mind is still buzzing. I was awake. So it was almost like it was my only downtime, to be honest. It was, I relaxed into it. It's not that the job was easy. It was hard labour, but but mentally it didn't challenge me that much. So it almost allowed me to have thought processes would go through my head in a nice way, not in a kind of panicky, get that done, move on, do the next thing. Just in a, there's no need to rush just now. You're here for the next 10 hours. Just move through it. Oh, you think of something good, write it down. That's all right. Um, I met a lot of really cool people. The team at that Tesco's were brilliant. I had a great laugh. And apart from the exhaustion, I kind of liked it. Yeah. It was therapeutic about it that would allow me to just chill out for, for those points and not feel guilty about where I was or what I was doing. But it definitely gave me the drive to be like, I don't want to be working for a big corporate company for the rest of my life. I want to do something that I enjoy doing because I could have quite easily stopped what I was doing with the company, continued on at Tesco's, gone for, um, you know, further jobs, climbed up, gone into management, probably sitting in a a decent wage and a nice house and um, a a good job. But that just wasn't me. It was never going to be me. So even though it was it was a difficult time for me it actually gave me doing that type of job actually gave me the motivation to know that I am a hundred percent on the right path so I love I love that story because you you, kind of know this I I always think I had the entrepreneurial spirit like inside me yeah um but I was never exposed to to that kind of environment my mum and dad were both teachers Mm -hmm. um when me and all my friends who you know pretty well graduated from university. It was kind of normal to just go and get a job. Um, and then it was normal to try and find a job that basically allowed me to get a nice car and go to the gym whenever I wanted. That was my ultimate goal. <laughs> and I ended up getting like going into the corporate world, doing relatively well, um, being comfortable, but I was very unfulfilled. And on the surface, it looked great. Nice car houses, nice watch, nice suit, but something inside me was missing. And I clearly remember watching you because you probably started your journey maybe a year or two before me. And, you know, you never know how your actions impact on someone because I was watching you and I was like, that's what I need to do. (laughs) That is what I need to do. And, you know, I said this on a podcast the other day. This was once I made the decision to leave the corporate world and go into coaching, I would get up at 5 a.m., I'd go to the gym, and I'd go to the gym with Pete, who we both know. We'd go early. I would then go and do my corporate work with my suit on. I would have coaching clothes underneath my suit. So when I finished at my hospitals, I would take my suit off. I would go and coach at lunchtime. I would put my suit back on. Like Superman. <laughs> exactly. Except I didn't go into the phone box. I did it in the back of my car. And then, you know, I would do that. I would repeat that again. And then on an evening, I would get my books out and I would read about human performance and I would read about the brain and how humans learned. And honestly, I don't think until I saw someone that I knew already actioning those habits mm-hmm. that I would have thought that that was a good idea. If I'd have thought of that in my mind and not seen anyone do it, I probably wouldn't have actioned it. But watching you do it 
and then actually starting to do the reading on successful people and being like, oh, it's not just cats. This is what successful people have done. All of them have done this. You know, you, Steve Jobs' story that people will know and all of those things. So I was like, right, I'm going to action it. And, and that's why I wanted you on the show because the impact it had on me gave me motivation to make those changes I wanted. And I hope that when people listen, if someone has a side hustle in them or an idea or a business they want to start, that they can be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to action what, what cast did. Um, so that was the first reason. And I didn't, I didn't want to say that before you came on. Cause I know you're probably like blushing or embarrassed. Right now. Um, Huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you never know, you, you know, I think the world is full of people who talk and when we're on TV, we're listening to people. And when we're reading books, we're, we're, we're reading words, but the true form of leadership is transformational leadership. Your actions, things that you actually do should embody those qualities. And, you know, what you've done embodies everything that you need to be in business. So you, you go through this crazy time, you get made redundant, you work nights on a weekend to pay the bills, you build your own business during the week, daytime, probably going through on minimal hours sleep um <clears throat> once you leave the part-time job and now you're fully immersed in the business what what started to happen then what was there success straight away was it a rocky road like what, what keep, keep talking us through your journey once you've gone all into um to cave design yeah no it was still pretty rocky because uh, and to be honest i never think i'll get to the point where i'll know it all or I'll understand it all. There's constantly changes and fluctuations, whether it be just through the services we provide or what clients are looking for from us, what they expect, or what um, how, the, how the, the government expects you to act, behave, pay as a business. There's constant fluctuations going on. So I'm always learning. I always feel like I'm, I'm just running, <laughs> trying to keep up with any changes that are there what I did notice was I, I just started to realize them before they actually needed implemented that's the difference I had enough headspace got you all right I just had a meeting with them and they actually brought up quite a good point we don't provide that service or that's something that some you know someone else has said to me could you maybe adapt your services to include this and at the time when we started we were we were very straight down the line we had um graphic design so we would do your branding and your logo and but it was all driven towards your interior so whatever kind of business you were if you were uh, corporate in your offices or your leisure and your hotels spas gym or your retail um we then start by designing that that brand and then we take the brand and we basically make the interior part of the brand because it is it's just another stage but there were only really those two elements running side by side and when we were when I had more headroom um, and, I, and I had more time to sit down and, and talk to people they would be saying to me well yeah that that's great but um you know like I maybe don't just want it so that you can give me a nice brand and then put a nice sign above my door. I have vans, I have uniforms, I have lots of marketing material. Um, 
we've got a website, you know, social media was starting to really take off and there was just, it was overwhelming to me actually how much it spiralled off from that initial concept that we started talking to with clients, you know, who's your target market? What are you trying to say? Um, who are you trying to attract? And how quickly can we do that? That spiral from that very small seed really touched everything and anything within that business. And all of a sudden I realised, one, we're not big enough. Yeah. <laughs> business model can't fulfil all of these services, will will drown. And um, uh, two, I'm missing out on some massive, um, uh, like, just interest in, in um, potential here for how we could get in with other businesses through other avenues, still get the main bulk of what we're maybe looking for to create, but but we don't necessarily always have to target the interior. We can actually target their online presence or we can maybe target their brochures that came through our door or something like that, a small thing to drip feed to then build a relationship. And essentially at the end of the day, that that is all it is. If you can be really, really talented at what you do, but if people don't warm to you, then they won't want to, to sit and talk to you. They won't want to divulge to you every part of their business and, and how it works. And they won't have any trust or any confidence that you'll be able to fulfill what they're paying for. So once that transaction of money passes, there's a massive weight of trust on my shoulder to make sure that we fulfill the expectations that you have. And especially in a design industry, when it's so subjective, there isn't really a right or wrong answer. It's not like an accountant or a lawyer. Um, you're hoping that through the words that somebody has told you, the connotations that that brings out in your head creates the same picture for you as it does mm. for them. And then you put it together, hoping that that image that you then come out with as a final as a final piece, so it's almost like a, a little piece of art, is exactly what they're looking for. And I just, that's what it allowed me to do. It allowed me to focus a little bit more on the business instead of just constantly being in the business. Try and always just get the next job, get the next job. Um, I started listening more to the client and what the client was looking for and then adapting our services slightly. And that was, it, it was through both sides. It was probably through the back end of the business, making sure that I had the correct network there and team of people to deliver because I never wanted to promise anyone anything that I then couldn't deliver on. And then it meant saying the right things to people when I was in front of them to get them to understand because so many clients at the start would say, but wait a minute, I have a web designer that does that and I have a graphic designer that does that and we have an interior company that, that we hire to do that. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to tell you that we are, you know, master of none type thing. But what yeah. I am trying to say is it makes sense for, for one team to handle that because then the consistency of it is really, Got really, and it doesn't, there's nothing watered down or diluted by the time it reaches all those uh, other products that you're trying to put out there. So really by, by releasing myself from, you know, the night shift and all that other kind of stuff, it allowed me to really focus on where I wanted to take the business because at the start, I just wanted a business. I just wanted to be able to do the things that I loved. And then when I realised that there was potential there, I thought, right, well, how can I grow this so that 
if anything does happen again, like like the recession, like 2008, we are maybe not stuck in one specific sector. We can kind of navigate uh, across lots of different areas that might be more appealing to people when they're maybe not, you know, in construction, they're maybe not doing up their interior, they're maybe just looking for um, differences in online presence and stuff like that. And at the time it was very difficult because my business partner uh, had, she was just starting to come, um, she she had her third baby, which was brilliant for her, but she wasn't able to um, take on the responsibility that was required from what started to grow into quite a large beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, took all of our time so that was a discussion that that sadly we had to have and and she stepped aside which I was devastated about because she is immensely talented at what she does um but it was a different route for her so I then found myself alone (laughs) on my own (laughs) uh yeah that was that was difficult but it was the way it needed to go there's a good book actually called company of one have you read that no, I haven't. It's a good book. <laughs> I can't <Yeah>. book. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying that because now I know you work with your sister. I'm not suggesting that you fire your sister. <laughs> but uh, re- read the book, Company of One. It will, um, it will resonate, like, it'll resonate nicely with you. There's some good messages in, in there. Um, so you basically, you, you, I'll go through the journey again. You get made redundant. <laughs> yeah. The next day you're like, okay, I'm going to start my own business with no money. You start your own business with no money and you work nights in Tesco's for four years while starting your own business with no money. It sounds crazy when you lay it out like this. Yeah, I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Never count the cost. That's what the best, that's what they say. Never count the cost, right? Like, like Nike trainers say, just do it. Just do it. (laughs) Don't think about it. So after the four years you leave, um, you leave Tesco um, so you're no longer working nights and this allows you from what I'm gathering to listen to your customers more and flex and adapt your business and sort of expand the business to be um, more to the needs of the market than what you initially thought you were going to do. Is is that correct? Yeah, we evolved. You evolved. Okay. And before we go in and, and give like, okay, if you want to start your own business, these are the two or three things that you have to do. Just tell us where has the business evolved to um, today? Because I know actually you've done some, su- some work for some super famous people. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was exciting news when, when you told me about that. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember some of your first bigger jobs that, that yeah. I'd seen and you'd discussed, but they, it's almost become the new norm now for you. Yeah. Um, so just, just tell us a little bit about what it is that the business does now. And I know you're working with your sister as well. So uh, maybe give her a little shout out. No, uh, that, that's essentially where it becomes quite strange because I feel like you're constantly on a treadmill to get to the next point. Wouldn't it be great if we got this? Wouldn't it be great if we could achieve this? And you're so driven by that that you start to forget, oh God, we did achieve it. Oh, we did get that. And that, you're right, it just becomes the norm. You start to, you yeah. start to go to the meetings and you're thinking it's all right. I'm not, I'm, 
I'm not worried about this. I'm confident we're going to get this. Whereas, my God, 10 years ago, if, if I had even been given the opportunity to be in front of some of these people, I, I would have been shaking and sweating. Yeah. But you need, I, you, I honestly believe you need that gradual climb because if you go from nothing to a thousand, you're not going to be able to cope with the stress of that. Yeah. Just the mental weight of that. It's almost like you need those small increments so that by the time you get to that point, you're ready, you're conf- you have the confidence to deal with it. Because um, like I said, that's all anybody's really looking for. Are they confident enough that, that they can deliver on what they're asking for? And if you waver, you're not, you're not really, you're not getting it. Because if you can question yourself, then they're not going to give you head of their money or their project for you to lead with it if you don't have that faith in yourself. Um, so you need those, those small increments. and by building them up and each one we kind of achieved and we got gave us more confidence to go for the next one and, and kind of track that down and, and see where we wanted to be. And it, essentially the business evolved again <laughs> about three years ago to the point where I noticed that um, Cape were really dealing with everything image-based so everything you see in its simplest form, everything that you see that is client-facing for a company, Cable deal with it. From the design of packaging to, you know, the, the vinyl on the graphics on the window as you walk past the shop to um, a, a, a graphic post on Facebook, whichever it might be, if it's image-led and um, it's to do with the brand, then Cable deals with it but I noticed that there was a whole other um, stream that flowed alongside that, which was the voice. And sometimes we had clients that would come to us for the image and then they'd implement the voice of the brand and it, it, it just wouldn't marry well together. It, it wouldn't sound well, it wouldn't work. It was quite disjointed. And at the time, my sister worked for a um, large communications agency and I kind of said to her what are your thoughts what are you doing um are you interested in maybe coming over to the dark side uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I it took me a long time to work on her because she was like I'm stable I have a stable income and I'm like I know but it's so much more fun when you don't know where the money's coming from. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to work at Tesco's for four years like I did. Was that not your sales pitch to her? I, I think I was like, well, you're only putting the graft. But um, So eventually I convinced her and she joined Cabe and we had a, a, basically the, the banner We Are Cabe is the umbrella at which Cabe Design and Cabe Communications sat under. So we now work together as partners um, with companies where everything uh, image-led will be dealt with me and my team and everything to do with the voice um, any kind of PR you know any kind of press crisis management social media what you're putting out what message you're trying to send marketing is dealt with uh, Carla and it works really well in the office because when she's on a certain path with things and I'm sitting there and the graphics designer sitting there and maybe the programmers are in for the website and she's bouncing ideas on um, who she wants to target and the clients that she wants to hit and, and 
whatever it might be, influencers, bloggers, trips she wants to do, you know, creative events, anything like that, with the words that she's talking about, I then started thinking about how that would look, the imagery behind that, how we start to achieve it. And then it comes together, well, I think anyway, really nicely. Uh, I'm, I'm loving it. It's really, really good fun. But I would have never been in that place had I not have to, had to go through the last kind of 10 years of, of figuring that out and diversifying and, and realise, okay, I have, a, I have a real passion for designing anything. You know, me, Ian, it's literally anything. I, I, at the same time as starting Cabe, I went back and did a HND and jewellery and silversmithing because I just needed to still use my, my hands to create something. It wasn't yeah. enough to wait a year and a half for an interior to be done and I needed some instant gratification and satisfaction there so I ended up like through rings and different things modeling small reception desks that I didn't even realize I was doing but it was obviously because I was thinking during the day about stuff to do with work and then still at night getting that kind of back to basics touch on something and it just so happened to be that I would end up designing something that was to do with Cabe that I was stuck at, but it came out, you know, on that kind of um, tactile form. Yeah. And I was looking for me. So I always kept that kind of creative side to me. I, I always did something alongside it that, that gave me that fix. It was like an addiction that I needed to make sure that when I was doing the meetings and the networking and, you know, all of the account stuff or anything like that, I still had that satisfaction running alongside. So I think as long as anybody who is thinking about starting a business, it doesn't matter what your passion is. It could just be a passion for making money. I wish I had one. (laughs) 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 That one didn't come to me. But um, if that is the passion, that's what will motivate you. That's what will get you up because there's no way you could put yourself through this mentally and physically if you're not passionate about it (laughs) yeah and you know the the crazy thing that i've learned since i've been doing this podcast Mm -hmm. you know i I was i don't know 26 27 years old living above a pizza shop just quit the corporate world had no money really had no direction took my last two thousand pounds and invested it in some um self-help and, and motivational like, education and, and bought some books and actually started reading. And I look at what I'm doing 10, 12 years on and I'm like, wow. But the podcast has helped me repeat that story, reflect, mm-hmm. and I still want that next step. And I still want that next step and I still want to evolve and I still want to get to that next level but I've started to take more time to be like, you know what? You're doing pretty well. Chill out. Think where you were 12 years ago or 10 years ago and look at what you're doing now. Mm. And, you know, do you think there's a danger that some entrepreneurs, I mean, even you right now going through this journey and reciting all this, you must, you're going to finish the podcast and hopefully you'll be like, you know what? I'm quite proud of what I've achieved. Whereas <laughs> on a normal day, you might not, you might not do that. So do you, do you agree with that? Does that sort of resonate with you? Or are you good at reflecting on, on where you've come from? 
No, 100% that resonates with me. I, th- I think it's just in the nature. You just constantly beat yourself up because you do that to make sure that you have the discipline to continue and do better. You just always, it comes from a good place, but yeah, it's exhausting. And I can, I can even feel it now. Like this will be nice. I, it, it, it's quite cathartic. There's a little bit of a deep breath that I think will happen after. Yeah. I can to you to be like, oh, wow, that was, that was quite good reflecting on all of that because you can't do that every day and you don't take the time to do it because you're too focused about what you have to achieve in that day and you don't think about what you've already achieved the day before. Um, it is probably a very, a very good task to implement if, you can, if you're that way inclined and you can do it. I'm just a little bit too scatty for it. <laughs> I, I had a guest on yesterday who's basically an absolute mental machine when it comes to her morning routine. Um, and I got up this morning and implemented a couple of those things that, that she suggested. Um, and I feel better for it. Just, it was weird because at first when I got up way earlier than I normally would, um, I felt kind of lost, like, oh, what am I meant to do? But I listened to a section from her podcast uh, that, that I did with her. And then I was like, okay, there are a the couple of things that I'm going to try right now. And, you know, I felt a bit like you said, how you're going to feel after this podcast. I felt like, okay, whew, I'm ready for my day. And one of the tasks I did do, um, I wrote about things that I've achieved and I wrote about things that I'm going to achieve as if I'd already achieved them. So there was a bit of looking forward in there, but there was also a bit of looking back where I can sort of be a better friend to myself or be nicer to myself and just feel a little bit more positive, uh, going into the day. So, um, maybe there's something there for you, Cass. Maybe it's all about that morning routine. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Because for, for me, it's, it's always been the flip. I'm not very, I'm not very productive in the morning. Mm. And I find the time that I work best is probably between around about 11 o'clock at night and three o'clock in the morning. Wow, I'm on my game there. <laughs> that's probably that might be conditioned from the stacking shelves at Tesco. You might have that for them to be grateful for. But I don't, I don't know. I just seem to do the best work then, and and I think there's something to do with the fact that no one's chasing me. No emails are coming through. No one wants to phone you at that time. It's just complete clarity. Because as soon as as soon as I hear that ping instantly i'm like oh i need to get back to that i need to that's just something yeah like go and then it niggles at me until i deal with it and move on but if you were to constantly deal with it and move on you'd never actually get to do any of the other things because you're doing everything that's happening right at that moment And and probably that time in the morning and i'm not advising that anyone else does this it is not healthy for you i know that (laughs) but it seems to be the the way that i've always worked all through college it's what i did all through school actually it's it's school as well it's just that maybe that's why night shift worked for me i don't know well Um, every everyone's different right so everyone has to to take even people listening to this podcast there are people that potentially will be like, you know, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I want this and I want this and I I need this. And this is what I want in my life. So, you know, disengage and that's fine. We're not, we're not producing this podcast for every single person in the world to say, Hey, you got to 
have this insatiable drive like Cass has and you've got to do this passion and, and follow what you love. Um, you know, I think a great bit of advice that you gave was when you were doing things within your business that you didn't like, you still found this hobby and this connection with jewelry, making jewelry to stimulate that, that area. I've, I've never heard that piece of advice before because when you go into business, you are going to have to do things you don't like. For me, it's the Excel spreadsheets and stuff like that. I, I, I'm, it's so time consuming and I do not enjoy it, but I have to do it. And I think taking up CrossFit, and going to CrossFit and getting my, my mental health and my physical health in a good state through CrossFit probably helps me with those Excel spreadsheets. That mm. I'm just linking it to what you've said. So, you know, there's lots of cliche advice that, that you know, follow your passion, do what you love, um, chase your dream, you know, be able to push through the hard times. And, and, I, and I give those out all the time. But I think a couple of things that you don't hear so much that we've, we've said in this podcast is that piece of advice. So when you're doing things you don't love, find some time to do something that you do love. You know, your example with the jewelry is very powerful. And I think me saying we are as entrepreneurs guilty of looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. Everyone should try and take a little bit more time to take that breath and, and look back and reflect on, on where they've come from. Um, Anything else that maybe we haven't covered that you would recommend that I hope there's at least one person listening that's, you know, inspired to be like, okay, yes, I'm Today I'm going to take action. I'm going to do this. What, what advice would you, you give to them if it's based on being an entrepreneur and starting their own business? Um, do you know, I, I had a mentor when we started, he was, a very successful architect of a big practice in Glasgow and um, they'd done loads of stuff all over the world and I never really got it at the time and it, it kind of when he said it to me it really um, grated on me because it was the complete opposite of what I thought I should do but he said to me Cassie you'll, you'll never do well in business if you don't realize that perfectly good isn't good enough because okay. there's perfectly good is good enough there's a point that you have to draw a line mm. that bit's done move on that bit's done you've achieved it that's good pat yourself on the back and leave it now move on because I was constantly nitpicking on everything I was doing love it because you literally achieve nothing if you do that you'll never get anything out um it's I read funny. something called MVP Mm -hmm. um, be your own MVP and it taught me minimum viable product if it's 80% of what you envisaged get it out there get mm -hmm. on to the next task and then it will evolve itself if it needs changes your customers will tell you and it will evolve itself so very very similar and and you're right I think that's an an excellent piece of advice along with I think getting a mentor yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good for us. Um, it was actually set up through um, government funding. They paired, oh, wow. they paired mentors with uh, young businesses, and it wasn't just any mentor. He was in the same field as us. Um, 
so he understood the business model and he knew what we were trying to do and it was it was a year-long process and after that I actually then hired a mentor and he was to be honest he was brilliant he was really good because he punished me every time we met up it wasn't (laughs) he actually I felt like I was going to the gym he gave me a mentor hammering on everything I was doing what I was spending time on um, projects jobs he was telling me like they're wasting your time don't don't put any kind of additional uh, services onto them this isn't viable but I was like oh but it'll be a really cool job when it's done he's like it's never going to be done they're never going to go ahead with it move on (laughs) it was really really good but um yeah it wasn't what it wasn't what I thought mentoring was going to be I thought mentoring was just going to be someone to hold your hand and make sure that you were uh, you were happy in what you were doing but it definitely wasn't that it made me sweat every week <laughs> that's amazing that's awesome um I have one more question this is the power question before we wrap up um and I have a belief on this um, that could get me shut down by a lot of my friends uh, <laughs> I want to know a little bit more about being a, a, a female entrepreneur. Um, and the reason I ask this question is I've read quite a lot of stuff recently on when businesses are launching into the stock market. Yeah. Um, so IPOs, initial public offerings. When the CEO is female, they have a larger chance of success. Um, and these are coming from I'm not reading these in trash papers or, or click clickbait. These are coming from very, very uh, reputable sources. Um, and then throughout this coronavirus, I don't know of any world leaders that are coming out of this with um, positive feedback, except maybe the prime minister of New Zealand, um, who is female. Um, and there's a lot of articles about that. So I'm seeing this kind of emergence of uh, female entrepreneurship and leadership. Um, so just a couple of things. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and what was it like for you being a female in, you know, and, and starting your own company, being a director, being a CEO, going into big board meetings with potentially um, more men than, than women how, how did all that play out for you um I, to be completely honest at the start I thought it was a good thing because we stood out and if we stand awesome. out noticed you know that any any press is good press so um but then I very quickly realized that we were standing out for the wrong reasons and I I didn't I didn't know how to deal with that so there was because we are mainly in a construction industry and because a lot of the time we would be on site because even though I say interior, it's not really interior design, it's interior architecture that we would be dealing with. Um, There would be a lot of site meetings and it would, it's mainly men in construction. And then even even at big networking events, the events that I would go to, would be mainly construction events because I'm trying to to talk to either um, you know hotel owners or um, construction companies about where's the money being spent, who's doing the next development. Um, so yeah, I, I've I would say 
I've always found it very easy to talk to people and I would walk up and start up a conversation but sadly you're never going to are you ever going to separate sex from a situation oh that sounds really bad I don't know if you want that on your podcast but no no we'll leave it in of course that's kind of what it starts to come down to and what you realize is um and I'm I'm not like trust me after doing a night shift in Tesco's there's no way I turned up attractive at some of those meetings aware that is this person now talking to me because they think that we could work well together and there's prospects here um, or are they talking to me because they're thinking we could go for a drink later and that is a very different difficult minefield to to navigate and sometimes I got it really wrong wow. <laughs> and I turn up to things uh, you know events that I'd been invited, me and Becky would be invited along to, and I'd quickly realise I am not here for work. Mm. And when you have no money, and you're going to meetings constantly, and you're buying drinks with cash you don't have because the business is so young, it starts to really wear you down when you realise there's no prospect here. We've, we've just been invited along for the banter and nothing else and that was a very that took me a really long time to work out how how to play that differently and you know me I'm dead chatty and I I think sometimes that that maybe came across wrong and flirtatious and it wasn't meant in that way I was just being nice and I think a lot of women feel that and then when they go the other way and, and they go too hardball then they're called bossy or they're Mm. seen to be um you know don't mess with her she's a bit of a a bitch or or whatever whereas a man if he if he's like that he's a good leader or he's a he's a boss he's he's in charge whereas for a female it's like yeah well she's just being bitchy is is that kind of it's fair it's a very it's a very hard thing to navigate and then the other thing that I didn't really like is we were going to like different award ceremonies and things and and you would hear oh you need more you need more females winning the awards and that I just hated hearing that because that tells me that you're then putting females forward to win awards just because they're female not because they've earned it yeah you remove the credibility from winning the award if you think that you've taken other candidates away because they're male and put in females just to make it balanced the female has to be there because she's done the graft against all the male counterparts to make sure that she is the best um person to win that award so i i the language i feel really needs to change because when you start using that kind of language then the the award or whatever it might be the 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 job itself then isn't the goal for for the male or female because you've kind of diminished it through saying it's almost a a a positive negative or a negative positive however you want to put it to come out of oppression when when people are thinking like that we have to give females awards it only highlights that in previous decades or years that there has been oppression that that would never ever ever be talked of if men and women have always played on a, on a level playing field, uh, which they haven't. So when people talk like that, 
it only shows that over the last decade, two decades, three decades, that women have been dealt uh, a, a tougher hand and have had to push and deal with different stresses to men. I agree that you shouldn't win an award because of that. But what about when that award is given and future female entrepreneurs then see it and be like, right, I'm going to go for it because now I can because this lady broke ground for me. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. As long as she was the best in her category and that's why she was there, do you know? Because yeah, yeah. On then, merit, not, not... Then that's something really to achieve. And if you can achieve it, then I can achieve it. And I just think it's a culture thing. And it's, de- it's shifting. And I don't like it to shift in the way that there's fear and then the, the, the ones that are, you know, oppressed are then then become powerful because you're terrified of what to say against that group of people. It, it, should, it should be more in the way that there's a back to basics, full lifestyle change. And this again, isn't going to be a popular thing on your podcast. But, but it, it, essentially, if essentially that, that stereotypical woman's role of being at home and taking care of the family, if that is shared, if, if, if kids are taught when they're growing up that to spend your life with someone, whether it be man, man, woman, man, woman, woman, whatever it is, um, the responsibility of the life and the relationship and the family there is shared equally. Mm. So obviously if you're a female and you do want to take time away from your career or not work to have a child that's brilliant if that's what you want to do that's great but there's loads of females that only have the choice to do one or the other mm. and if you have a if you have 50 percent of the population that are then told really you can either do the kid or you can do the career and they have to choose that by the time they get to a certain age, a lot of them are going to choose the kid, which mm. out of the running if the support mechanism isn't there in the other half of that relationship. And, and if you were to say to somebody, you know, like in 50 years time, can you actually be- believe that that used to be the way that it was? You know, I, I, a guy would maybe get two weeks off, the, the female would have the child and then the guy would go back to work and then, Someone would have to look after the child. There's there's loads of countries that are now starting to implement uh, maternity across paternity as well, so that you equally share. So there's job shared across every platform where the man is maybe working three days a week and the woman's working three days a week, and then they're sharing the responsibility of the home life across both of them. And it means that when a female goes for a high-powered job, when she walks in, the person sitting behind the desk interviewing her isn't thinking, oh, you're early 30s. Yeah. yeah. I'm about to hire you and you're about to have a child and then take a year off. Like, how is this going to work? And as, as much as you hope that doesn't happen in the workplace, it does. Because for businesses that maybe can't afford that to happen, that, that's going to be an issue in their head. But if everybody that works in walks in there, male or female, you're then thinking, well, whichever gender it is, 
anybody could be off for a year looking after the child or anybody could go down to part-time and share it if there's so much more flexibility there I think you'll start to see more women hitting higher um uh, job titles pay grades awards whatever it might be and achieving more because the structure and support is there so that they don't need to choose one or the other I, I love that and you know I think I seek out this information because I like to challenge social norms. I like to think, why, why is this happening? You know, if, if something is the normal, but not quite in equilibrium or in balance, I'm like, why, why is that? So I'm very, very uh, interested in this subject. Um, and I, until yesterday, I hadn't had a female on my podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why is that, Ian? Why is that? Do you have an unconscious bias? And look, we'll never be able to answer these questions. You know, I work in a mainly male-dominated industry. Um, Maybe that's the reason. Maybe there's some bias in there. I I don't know. But the point is not for me to be right or wrong, and really not for you to be right or wrong. The point is to just challenge our own thoughts and, and belief systems. And the way you articulated that, is a perspective that I would never ever be able to look at it from because I'm never going to give birth. <laughs> and, um, you know, something that would not have entered my world. So I think the way that, that you've put that is, is so powerful. And then people that are in my position that listen to this can be like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Now I get it a bit more. I get why certain people are saying certain things. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a very, very powerful statement. So Cass, before we wrap up, yeah. um, for our listeners, we've given them some actionable advice. If they want to be an entrepreneur, um, getting a mentor, uh, my idea of you know, looking back as well as looking forward. Uh, you said a couple of other things based, well, the story of, keeping yourself stimulated when you're doing parts of the business you don't like with the, with the jewelry and, you know, not trying to do everything perfect. That, that amazing, what was the phrase you used again? Perfectly good is good enough. Perfectly good is good enough. We might, I might even call the podcast that. (laughs) There's plenty of actionable advice. We then address the topic of, uh, of empowering female entrepreneurs. The last thing just for readers, any books, that you've read a couple of books or any podcasts that you've listened to that have inspired you and, and helped you take action? Oh, Ian, you're asking the wrong person here. I do not read. <laughs> oh my goodness. We have to, we'll have to edit that bit out. We definitely. So what, what about any podcasts or anything that you've come into contact with that has helped you gain this knowledge? You know, motivation for me comes when i see when i see other people being as motivated as me so i don't really watch a lot of things on entrepreneurs and i i am really interested by it and how they achieved it but ultimately it comes down to different personality types in the right place at the right time sometimes it's literally all about luck and graft and when that works and it pays off for you that's great but i find that i can get myself too immersed in it that I then wonder am I doing the right thing it is the way that I am 
speaking and talking the right thing. So instead of doing that, I just like, I just love to chat to people and I go out and I go to different networking things, not necessarily to um, find work anymore, just, just really to hear other people's stories and especially for people that I feel that I could then um, use through the company. So illustrators, artists, designers, programmers, anyone with any kind of creativity, when I start talking to them and hearing the passion that they have towards their craft, it gives me such a buzz. Like I, I really enjoy it. And then I start to bounce off them. There's loads of other um, small companies and businesses that started up around about the same time as we did that I just bumped into. And I'm now really good friends with them because in touch we updated each other like monthly. How are you finding it? Are you okay? And even some clients now that we started working with years and years ago, that their business is now grown along with ours through work that we did for them. Um, sometimes I feel like a bit of a counsellor. They'll, they'll give me a call and they'll go, please tell me you're having a bad week because it'll make me feel good because I'm having a bad week. And I'll go, my week is shocking. It's shockingly bad. This happened and that happened. And just by doing that and kind of chewing the fat and bouncing off of someone else, especially if you're on your own, is priceless for keeping you going. Because well, if you think that those bad negative thoughts, it, it's really, it's like a form of, it's a form of depression that starts to kind of bow down on you because the weight of failing the business and what you're going to do if you do fail is incredibly heavy so when you hear that someone else is going through them as well that is probably one of the main things that motivated me the most well they they were doing really well last week and they're going to do really well next week they're just having a bad week and if they can have a bad week then so can i well that that's amazing because you started off with basically the world's worst answer to that question and maybe turned it into the world's best answer um because i don't do that <laughs> I'm not, I honestly, I'm not doing enough of that. And again, that's the power of me podcasting. I'm yeah. not doing this to get a thousand million views and to get sponsorships. I'm doing this for my own mental health. Yeah. I am going to action that because you know what? I'm quite comfortable listening to podcasts and reading, yeah. but I'm, I'm certainly, there's not enough people that know about what I'm doing. I need to network more. So another piece of actionable advice. And what I love about that is this podcast is about changing your environment. A book, how does a book change my environment? Does it, doesn't it? That's debatable. <laughs> Having people come into my world that have infectious passion and enthusiasm, you know, th there's that old saying with the sum of the five people we're closest to or the seven people we're closest to. If you start bringing different people into your world from these networking events, debatably that's more powerful to, to changing your environment, changing your mindset, and then ultimately changing the direction of your, your business and your life. So amazing save. That can be the part of the podcast that I put on social media because that, that, was, that was the best save ever. Um, okay, Cass, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I'm, I'm truly inspired by watching your journey and by listening to this today. And even me, I've got something actionable to go take away. And you need to hold me accountable for this, right? You need to ask me in a month or so's time, 
what networking events have you been to? How have you grown your network? And, I, and if I'm not doing it like your mentor did to you, come down on me like we're in the gym, okay? That, that's, that's what we're going to take from this podcast. Yeah, that's it. As soon as lockdown is off, I'm going to get a flight. And come. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Give me, give, me, give me hell. Give me hell. Make sure I'm networking more. That, that is something I'm, I'm definitely going to do. But Cash, you know, I wish, I wish you and obviously now your sister all the best with the business. Uh, it's been amazing watching you go from literally zero and working uh, night shifts at Tesco's to, to where you are now. Um, and I'm very grateful to, to be able to watch that journey. And it's, it's definitely inspired me. There's, there's parts of, of you in this podcast and, and in my business. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. Oh, Ian, you're going to make me cry. You're going to miss Just speaking the truth. Just speaking the truth. So uh, have, have an amazing day. And uh, I will catch up with you again soon. You too. Take care. Thanks, Bye. Cass. Bye-bye. You've just taken a step forward to making a positive change in your life. That's right. You're one step closer to leaving frustration, stress, and anxiety behind. This was the Beyond the Mind podcast. Let's apply some positive change into your world. Into your world. Into your world.